Welcome to Doc Talks, brought to you from NerdWorks Media. Welcome back to Doc Talks, where I Doc Talk. How's everybody doing today? I hope we're doing wonderful. I hope you're doing wonderful. I hope you're doing wonderful. I hope everybody's doing wonderful. I hope that everybody has had productive days, and I really hope that you guys came out to see Bros and Dragons episode two that was recorded last night. Things are going good. Uh, we had a meeting afterwards with everybody just to check in because I was a little worried at the end of that, and everything seems to be going fine, and I'm excited about it. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about world building because I'm getting a couple of questions about world building, not just from Redigan or Bengen, but um, old uh, episodes of Bros and Dragons that got people asking questions. So I just wanted to tap into that today because some of the questions are pretty in depth. And I, I'm, I'm afraid that if you're asking those questions and you're just getting started, that you may not understand the purpose of world building in and of itself. And, and so we're going to get started today. World building 101. We will start with the basics. I will answer some of those questions. Let's jump into this world building thing. Um, I have a couple worlds going on if you're watching at Twitch. You'll see a couple things about worlds, worlds that are being designed. And a couple of the maps, those are my worlds, so they're in between. Bengen is the whole. You'll notice that it's incomplete. It's in works. I love world building, but I love world building with my players. I only build enough of my world to get them started in my worlds. And then they build the world. Anything that they do is... We discuss about canon because some people go a little bit crazy because all people want to do is, as an example, I'm building Bengen and one day I want to to be able to publish the book for it um, and give away PDF copies and not worry about that kind of stuff. But I want a world that people can play around in and the world book guides us to those things. I use Bros and Dragons podcast because one... I am a storyteller at heart. I write. I just started writing my first novel. I'm going through the first stages of editing some things in that, so stay tuned. It'll be called the Great Dawn series. I am very much need to be creative. I very much need to tell stories. I very much need these things in my life. And because of that, Bros and Dragons is my outlet. And thank you, Nerdworks Media, for bringing me back on for this because I... I love doing it. I love creating. I love writing. I love playing D&D. I love playing all sorts of games. We did decide on D&D. There's a couple reasons for that. One, when we're looking for players, it's the one that a lot of people know. So when you mention tabletop role-playing games, and again, I'm a math guy, so don't come to me and be like, oh, I didn't even hear about it. You're an exception to the rule, not the rule. The rule being that most people understand what D&D is. It has become the word that people associate with it. It's like you don't make copies, you make a Xerox. You do not need a piece of face tissue, you need a Kleenex. These things, we associate these words with them because they're people who make these products. Usually they're the people that people think of when it comes to these products. Either really good uh, marketing or whatnots. Dungeons and Dragons has become the cornerstone of tabletop RPGs. And it's neat because there's so many different editions that 
depending on how you want to play the game, you don't even have to reinvent it. You just got to look at the rules and see which one fits you more. There's a lot of people out there when you ask opinions, and opinions are just what they are. Take them for what they're worth. There isn't a better edition than another. There's 5e is more streamlined. 3.5, if you're not really good at creating variants, but you need variants given to you for your games or accessories or whatever you want to call them, 3.5 is what you want. If you want something that's a little bit more your character build is immersed in the environment around you, I suggest 2e very highly, especially for druids. There's a history in each one of these books that's written. If you want something that feels more like a video game and is, I wouldn't say easier to keep track, but is more, like I said, more situated like a video game, 4th edition met that standard. All these editions, as they go through, and, and you're hearing me say this, one's not better than another. I'm fully eclectic when it comes to tabletop role-playing games, so I don't prefer one over another, but I have to meet my players where they are. And even when Dungeons & Dragons doesn't meet that, I have games like Fate for people that are a little bit more want to be into... I wanted a game system that was made around the role-playing drives the game. You can make any game system what you want it to be. But it doesn't make Fate better. In my opinion, I like it better, but that's because storyteller, remember? If my story and the story around me drives the game in both negative and positive consequences, and the rules are set up to do that as a guide, I enjoy that. I love that so much. D&D, for me, I have put more effort into. So as a dungeon master, I love it. As a player, I can get edgy. I'm not a bad player. I love to be a player. But I will create stuff if the dungeon master or storyteller isn't, which is why a lot of new storytellers and DMs ask me to their games, uh, and I'm sure it is. Even when they bring me there just to ask me questions in the game and game rules, they learn pretty quickly I don't answer the questions right away. I give all the advice on it and let them make a decision at their table, because it is their table. And I think we have to understand as players, especially hardcore, I'm going to call them forever players, is because of what they are. There's this group of people out there that are like, never run a game, never going to run a game. There's some stigma about being a dungeon master that you're going to get stuck in it forever. And you're never stuck. You may need to encourage other people to give it a go. And it's because if you're not a dungeon master like me that's built a whole world, we'll get into that in a second, I know what this is about, but you need something more designed. There's so many books. And even if you just need like a guide, there's the Storm Coast Adventuring Guide, which explains the Storm Coast, but is not an adventure book in and of itself. The Eberron book, which is pretty thick, is a description and explanation of Eberron as a society and a world. Not necessarily telling you that you have to put things in it or even a book to go through. If you're looking for things, they're, they're out there. Uh, there were some arguments recently about one being more accessible than another. There really isn't. From what I've seen, you can get most stuff online. Wizards of the Coast puts D&D 5e stuff out there. It's not the full rules, but it's a small portion of the rules if you want to try the game out. They give character sheets away on PDF for free. They're ready to go to be used on your computer. If you want them printed, you can print them off. It's very accessible in that. And, I would say... 
it's hard pressed not to find somewhere that plays Dungeons and Dragons. But if you're a DM, you've been playing for a while, and now you want to create your own world, we're going to jump into that. And I will tell you that there's some questions that I'll ask you when you come to me for help, and I hope my questions help people. First off, and again, if World Anvil wants to reach out to me or NerdWorks Media in general, I'll get them to the right people. If you guys want to have a little advertisement on here, but I will talk about it today. It is one of the things that I use in world building for notes because I find it easy to organize. I don't need to download a program onto my computer. I can access it anywhere. I, I find it to be very easy to use. My maps, I don't remember what it's called, Inkrate or Icarate or something along the lines of that. Um, I will put that in the podcast notes, but I use that for my map building. And I'm not really good at it, and you've seen some of the maps, so you don't have to be awesome. So I was talking about Bros and Dragons, and we've created a whole world, and, and because of that, I do get questions. I will tell you that I refuse to make an entire world. I want my players to be involved. I make small things and have it played out in a session and let my players play it. I'm also not a DM that's really a big no guy. Uh, if you want something to be canon or we want to change things, we can. I've talked to people before. Even stuff that is kind of canon now, my players, we can adjust. Uh, the world is not stuck in perpetual limbo. Everybody who came up for season two, thank you, last night. Uh, you were watching and you are watching certain things get created. One of the new things in my world is something called the Waffle Hut, which was designed by one of my players because of a background and a discussion that we had. Now, I'm not a lazy DM, so I make all my players make their characters with me. One of the creations in this is something called the Waffle Hut. It's a franchise, in Redigan, at least. Redigan. We haven't decided how much further it goes yet. Right now, there's only two that are known. And it got into the world. How did it get into the world? Well... My player wanted this background. I didn't want some cheesy in. I wanted something a little bit more out there, a little bit more focused. Depending on the game that I'm playing, like this one is a very high-profile game. This season three of Bros and Dragons is the, the finale of what started in one and two. Hopefully, in three, it might go further. Now, Bros and Dragons itself will go further. Bengen will be explored, but this storyline starts all the way in one. If you're looking to create your own world, here's advice and some questions. First off, unless you're looking to do an entire universe or write books upon books and publish them, don't go out and buy the guide books and how to, like all of them. There's some that are really good, and they will help you get over writer's block if you do have that problem. But to be honest, they get so small geopolitical events and there's some really bad ones out there. I wish I had thought about this sooner because I read one where it was pretty much just the author talking about himself for, oh, I didn't even make it through chapter one because the preface in the chapter one was all about the author and their world and how successful and I've never heard of them. I picked it up because it was on sale. Unless you're trying to get into that geopolitical event of the castle that is different from the castle to the different quarters of the city the books themselves are not going to be helpful there's a lot of information in those and they'll bog you down and if you're like me you might quit by reading these books because it's just not worth it there's just too much information in them 
So we want to create our own world. Before we start, we have to answer the single most important question, especially when it's something like D&D or another uh, tabletop role-playing game. Why are we creating our own world? What is it that this has to happen? Why would we do this when there's so many flushed out different worlds and universes in each one of these things? You might want something a little bit more unique or your players... Or like me, I just got bored and started something small and it blew up and it really is good for me to do. It's really good for me and the way my mind works to continue world building. The first thing you have to decide is if you need to. You can always take something like Faerun from D&D that's in, um, in Prime. You can change small things in a world that already existed. And a lot of players, especially when it comes to D&D or even Pathfinder, or even now Starfinder, want the familiarity of the game that they've been playing for such a long time. I suggest if those are your players, do not try to create your own world. And if you do, try to make a smaller place in part of the world that already exists and have some lore about why nobody knew it was there before. If you really are going to dive in and create an entire world or universe, the first thing you have to do, you, you have to start somewhere. I recommend starting at a small town where you can have this starting event happen. I am a big proponent of never starting a tavern. I am a big proponent of having organic games and people and, and making my players discuss why the characters are still together to the point where my characters start doing it in character. my P The PCs at the table start doing it in character. Why they're continuing on with somebody. But you need a starting point. And the easiest way to do this is make a small town. Something with small laws. Something that's different but not hugely geopolitically different. When I say geopolitically, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the small nuances that politically and monetarily drive a place. You do not need a corrupt governor or mayor or leader of a town. You do not need that at your starting point. It could be something simple that your first group going through this is taking one small thing, trying to find an item, Give one of your players an item that they need to find. And meeting up and, and getting these people together and then just create that town and then have it in something, it does not need to be specific, but like a plains and forest combination, something that you can describe. And as you go and you do make canon in your game, you have to make notes. So if you're, you're not lazy, it'll work out really well. But the, that's the first thing is just create that starting point. You need nothing more. The second thing you got to look at, what I told you, but is kind of important, is you have to look at what the rules and laws of that town and land are going to be. I, It's hard to run a game if you don't know what's legal or not legal. Um, I was in a game, not recently, but close enough, where it, it was very different because you needed to have a permit to carry weapons. It's not a new idea, but I never played in one of those. And it was really neat because the first thing you need to do is pass a test and do this thing to get this item so that you can carry a weapon. I have never heard of that before. Before it used to just be carry weapons wherever. But it was really interesting. A, a acquaintance that I've talked to a few times, uh, Aram uh, 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 Vartian, makes Godfall. And Godfall is based on a premise of 
gods coming back as mortal beings, but that the gods were defeated, and it's a really neat economic of a game. Why are these rules important? Because if you don't have them situated, rules or games are about consequences and uh, what's the word that um, you have to have conflict. And so if you don't have any rules, how do you have conflict? So just write down simple rules. And it doesn't even have to be like rules you think they would have, like, oh, it's illegal to murder people. But if it's not illegal and it has to be sanctioned, that would be a rule that you need to have set. But make sure that that rule of the town or the land generally is ready to go. You have your starting point. You've answered the question why you're changing a new rule. You have your starting point that you've designed. You've set up a few rules, things that are going to be a little different. As you go in your games, you, you realize the next thing I talked about was what is the atmosphere? What does it look like around this place? Now, you're going to have to know a little bit about what you want it to look like. That's just the truth. You, you have to have some description of what the area around you is going to look like. The environment, if you will. But as time goes on, you need to have a better description of that environment. And you need to be able to isolate it and know when people are going from one thing to another. So we... These are the order of progression. Do we need to start this world? We don't need to. That, that's never yes. Do we? Is it beneficial to start this world? Yes. Do I have a starting point? I've made that. Do I have the rules? And, and again, it's okay to have these incomplete and, and create them as you go. Just do not surprise your players with a rule. Even a rule in the land. What kind of world do you want your players to be in? Are they in a world that's diverse? like Redigan? Are they in a land that's more separated and would be like old-time Earth or, you know, now prime Faerun, which is the prime existence in the material plane? Do I have descriptions of the little things around me? Yes. So the next thing I got to do is assign some culture to the area I'm starting with, and as I go, I got to pay attention because I got to assign culture to other things that my players run into. I will give you an example. Nobody's ever played in the Isles of Pelmore, but the Isles of Pelmore have my first culture that I ever made. And it was because there's a little game canon mythos that happened that set me off down this rabbit trail. And I didn't want the players to run into it. It was just a cool idea. So I put it somewhere else. Are you nets? Are arm unit knights? Arm unites. Arm unites. I'm gonna say it a million times. I it's not long since it's been created. Our warrior people that protect the sacred lands, they were a millennia ago assigned this duty from one of the gods of the land, which we do have a whole homebrew pantheon of gods. One of the gods told them to protect this area. I haven't even figured out exactly what it is, but if you were to follow the map that's on there, that's Pelmore. On the, the non-island, the land side down, you would see that it's still a desert and it ends. In that ended area is where it is. These people, this culture, are fighters. And I wanted them to be unique. So I had to create a whole new fighting class for them. It's nothing crazy. I didn't go changing the designs of D&D &D or tabletop. They're fighters. And I needed to make a fighter that was a holy fighter that, to, to fight for the sacred land that they're on. And I took... The ferocity of the Zulu warriors in history and the coordination of the Roman legions in history. And I put them together to create this culture. 
And that's what it is. This culture is founded on that. Or another example, if you're listening to the Bros and Dragons podcast or watching us, you have heard me talk about the nomadic tribes. These tribes have a culture. We haven't got there, so I'm not going to give too much up, but there is a unique culture in the tribes as a whole, and each tribe is unique as well. You have to have these little cultures that are in the area set up to go. But I bring it up because the most important thing is to take the notes to create the cultures later. So remember again, do we, we, should we build the world? Can we use something else? Step one. We say, yes, we need this world. Step two, I need a starting point. I need a town to start in. Hopefully something small. Do not go crazy on the big parts right off the bat, especially until you build a couple more of these small towns. It's hard to understand this, but the more people that are there, the more unique it is. And the more unique it is, you're going to make it more unique. And trying to do everything at once, trying to, it's like any other goal. You have to take one small piece at a time. Do I need this world for the campaign that I'm running? We've decided yes. I start my starting point. I got it. This one starting point. I need something small for my players to do if I'm playing the game. Or if I'm just creating a world, it's a good place to start for me in my head. What kind of world is it? What, what kind of our people get along? Is it as diverse as living anywhere where some people are rude, some people are not, some people tell the truth, some people don't? Are there warring factions of some kind, whether it be guild factions or more nefarious or a bigger faction that you can start small with? The Arata Librium in Bros and Dragons is a library it was created off of playing offline with some people in a game of they're just there's no libraries per se that are written into the books that we had they thought it would be cool to have it but they didn't want it to be involved with the nature around it they literally just wanted somewhere to study and i thought it was a good idea so we created it and there are smaller ones throughout the world right now in redigan i haven't put too many other ones out there but redigan has I wanted my players to be in an area for Remet again, where they started, which was super diverse. Everybody gets along. I want the big bad when they get there or the problems that arise to be more. It's hard to tell who's good and evil right off the bat. Now, the, the big danger will definitely be that that point. Nobody will argue. Some people might argue with the points that some people are involved with in that, but the smaller stuff, the build-up, because we don't just jump right in, we have to have a build-up, and our build-up are littler things, and are they good or bad? That's up to my players to try to figure out. Nobody jumps into a campaign normally. I've done a few, but nobody usually starts a D&D campaign, especially brand new, like, I just, I want to be a villain. You don't know until you get going. you got to see the repercussions, the consequences of the actions that you have taken. Even from your backstories, to see them come up to fruition will give you a better idea. It's okay for everything not to be black and white. Just allow your players to have those discussions. And allow your DM to also mull it through with you if you're one of the I call them forever players. People who don't want to DM, they just want to play the game. We have to... Describe our environments. Okay, we, we've got that. We, we start small, we work out. You see the, the map of Bengen is not complete. It started from one town, Rangio, in Tirianda, 
in the world of Adoro, which is a small island in the middle of Redigan and is where it is today. Uh, you'll notice if you look at the big map to the right and on the bottom, there's Diaspora. That is actually a game that I was playing and another DM was doing it. And as a player, I got to build some of the processes there. We got to understand what the different cultures are if they're going to be cultures. Especially if we create somewhere that everybody's getting along, what's the culture there? Which is, it took me a little bit longer than I want to admit to make that culture out because it was unique. If you read the books, they're going to tell you that you're going to have to make up a language for an area. When it comes to tabletop, we have our languages. You have to decide um, what language is going to be the primary language there. Or if you don't want to get that in depth, just keep it common. And some people may or may not know certain languages. It's just about keeping notes. You don't have to worry about getting in depth or even keeping it too simple. Just as much as you can handle when you're going down and that you have room to look at the notes later on. There's a lot of books out there that are going to lead you through this, but honestly, if you can do that in those orders to do it that big, you need to see the small picture get bigger. You never try to start big. You, you take off too much, you're going to burn yourself out. Everybody has the ability to create a world, but how much of it are you trying to exemplify? And is your first game going to be jumping all over? Probably not. When it's a new area, nobody's trying to jump all over. People are just trying to play the game. The game will go in some kind of way that it needs to, but usually if it's a brand new area, especially if you've talked to your players, you can stay within that small little area. There's a lot of world-building books. There really are. And, and a lot of them say a bunch of different stuff. But you have to look at what you're reading about. We're talking about Dungeons & Dragons primarily, but tabletop role-playing games here. We're not creating an entire universe that's going to be for books and has to be appropriated cultures and why there's diversity and what the statistics are and who fights who and who likes who and who's lying to who. You do not need to get that complicated right off the bat. Identifying history is not as important as you think it is. I know it's like if you look up world building, it's like um, it gives you the sections like the area you're in. I think they even talk about the rules and laws, um, the cultures of the people, how they're separate, why they're different, what kind of money, what's the political statement, who's doing what, what languages do they speak. And there's always like this huge like what history do you have, how far you go back in history and everybody has to do you don't have to go that far back in history unless it's something that you're putting in your game that your players need to determine because you need to have that answer to that question if it comes up. But I'm a big fan of firsts. I like when a player wants to be something first in my world. Decades ago, somebody wanted to play, I, I'm just going to say non-normal because I don't want to have a fight with anybody and I definitely don't want to discuss it. And I said, fine, let's do that. And in the area that we were in, there was zero conflict and I said, listen, I don't want, let's just have it normal. And they were like, I didn't even think about that. What didn't you think about? Well, I didn't, I didn't think about why do we have to do it as normal, blah, blah, blah. And the conversation basically came, why do I have to take the idiotic or stupid problems that people have in the world and put it into this world? Why can we not just have these conversations about something I have not thought of that hasn't touched me? And, and if you're trying to appease every group of people out there, you never will. So don't even attempt it. I try to think of everything and I can't. Again, I'm a hospital administrator, and the reason I have so many managers is because when I can't think of something, I expect one of them to catch it. 
and each of them is an expert in their field. And when they catch it, they bring it to me, and then we go to whatever we need to to make a decision, but we have to have all that information. And I cannot single-handedly have all that information. In world building, I single-handedly cannot have all that information. I need to be inspired. I need to be pushed. I need people to ask questions. I need people to be firsts. I love firsts. DMs, storytellers, it's okay to have firsts. This is why you make characters with your players. And if it's honestly realistic, or it can be, try to work on it. Don't just say yes or no, let's see what we could do, and start going through it. If somebody comes to you, what's one of the big things nowadays? Oh, the, the clerics not serving God thing. Oh, huge argument. I cannot believe it's gone as far as it has. And I don't know why people start these arguments, but whatever. Each game is different, each game is unique, each DM is different, each world is different. If you want to play a cleric that's not serving a god, fine. Especially as a DM or storyteller or somebody who really can just sit down and help you walk through that, what it looks like. The first time somebody came to me and asked me that, my first question is, why are you playing a cleric? I don't want to be religious. That sounds amazingly weird to be a cleric then. What are you trying to play? Tell me the real world. What is it that you saw? What character was it? And what movie and what platform? Bring that to me. I've got all the books. Let's look through this and try to decide. And if we have to create something brand new, we'll create something brand new. You want to be somebody who uses tarot cards. Really uses tarot cards. Not the fake roll for chance tarot card, but like, be accurate. A witch. Fine. Let's talk about it. I want to have this conversation. I love when new things become available in my game. A couple of players not too long ago got me thinking about, I don't have Zodiac in my world. I don't. I don't have a Zodiac setup. There's no way to have that right now. I've gone so far as to have a calendar, to have seasons, I have solstice, <laughs> I, I have equinoxes, I have two moons, and I have both of their full, full moon, and I don't know if I put half moon, but new moon, so it's full moon, new moon in there that rotates. But I, I didn't think about Zodiac, I have a calendar, would love for somebody to finish that. They, they started it and they got wrapped up in something else. And I don't blame them. It just happens. I have that same kind of mentality sometimes too. There's nothing wrong with being a first in a game. And you don't have to be straight out of the book. I, when I play with new people that I haven't met, I will pick one or two D&D &D books. Like you have to select from here. And it's just because... I'm always afraid somebody's going to come in with something that they found homebrew on the internet that gets six attacks, does a maximum of 18, or an average of 18 damage on every swing or attack, that is an AC of 25 at level one. Like, they exist. People just want to build super ultimate powers out there. I like my game to be balanced because I want everybody to feel like they're participating in my game and have the same chance to have the same ability to have the character that they want in the game. I can't do that by letting somebody just max out everything and do everything. Unless I max everybody out, that's a whole other discussion we'll have another day.
World building's not hard. Start small. And small is just where you want to start. But rewind that and make sure that you're answering the first question. World building is not easy. It's time consuming. There's a lot put into it. There's a lot of questions that need to be asked and answers that need to be created. Whether you have them right now or you create them later, it doesn't matter. World building is not easy. It takes organization. And I usually don't have that kind of organization. Thank God I found programs. And like I said, World Anvil has been very helpful for me to sort it out. But the first question is the most important question. Why am I not using one of the flushed out things that are already here? And, and I've heard some answers to this that make me think of my next question. So the one was like, I don't like it. It's super racist. Well, why don't you just change the part that you find racist? You don't have to play exactly as it's written. People are weird. They're willing to do a lot of work. I take that back. I see a lot of people start and not a lot of people finish. And... That's not what I want. That's not what Dog Talks is about. I want you, if you choose the world build, I want you to finish building your world. I don't want you to start off on it, find out how hard it is, hit a wall, find it difficult, throw your pen to the floor and find something else to do. I honestly want you to finish. Nerdworks Media is founded on this platform of everybody working together to create a better world, a better team, a better environment, a better culture, even at the smallest of our points in Discord, where people just come and talk and we BS, that's what it's about. And we need to remember that our tables should be that way as well. I love being part of this company and what is done is really modeled from what I wanted Bros and Dragons to be. It's really modeled in a way that... A way that I jumped in and I could help out right away and not worry about anything because Mike and I were on the same page. And we didn't know that, but even before we were friends, we had the same idea. Before you start anything, ask yourself why you're doing it brand new. The truth is, is I can't believe how many times people point this out, nobody's got a new idea. Some people have a better idea, but nobody's got a real new idea. So why are we in reinventing something when we don't have to? You don't have to rebuild Bengen, but... For me, it's helpful because, again, I get to build this world, which for me helps me. It is cool for players that have played in a world and they want something new. I've realized that. It's cool newer players to let them know that this world's a little bit different, so we can do whatever we want here because we own it. And we can change things and, and make things right, which we find to be wrong in another world. We can also create things. Witches and guardians and druids and we can change things so that they're not stereotypical and they feel more natural and they feel more at home. And that's why world building is amazing to me. World building is not just creating a brand new world. If you change one thing out of Faerun that's already created, you're world building. The reason for the first question is why are you going to make this harder than you need to? Is it because the the way it's designed, the the geography of the map of Faerun or Material Prime is not what it needs to be for your campaign, well then let's change it. That's all the time I've got right now. There's not a lot of questions, but if you have questions, you're more than welcome to write uh, nerd, nerdworkspro at gmail.com. You're welcome welcome to go to the new website that's on for nerdworksmedia.com. 
Uh, there's a contact us there, right? An email or a thing. It'll get to me. Somebody will find a way to get it to me. I do work very closely. I am the COO of that. But for now, my tip for you, and this can be used for anything else, but when it comes to world building, one small part at a time, please. I want you to succeed if you choose to go down this avenue, no matter what it is, but in world building especially. It's a lot of fun. For your players, it's a lot of awesome interaction, and it's really cool in later games to see them hear something that they know they helped create. From all of us at Nerdworks Media, I just want to say, keep it nerdy and live your dreams. Later. This has been a NerdWorks production.